I'm Carrie Adams, and you're listening to Carrie's Connoisseurs, coming to you from Solid Gold Podcasts. Here we talk to the movers and shakers, the drinkers, the dreamers, and all the people who make it happen in the liquor and luxury industries from around the world. Today I'm chatting to Larry Whitfield, who is in the studio from Oast Farm. And the reason I'm chatting to him is because he is the owner of Lockstonia Cider, and there's a little bit of news that everybody needs to hear. Larry, hi. Thanks for joining me on Carrie's Concerts. No, thank you. It's a great pleasure to be on your show. You know, I was trying to remember, have I spoken to you before? Have we done an interview before? I'm sure we have. We have. We have. We have. So I was busy trying to think of something that I could tell the listeners or the viewers that was rude or embarrassing or something that would make them laugh and remember you, but I can't remember what we spoke about. I think we were just speaking about your cider because you'd won an award in London at some stage. I think that's what it was. That's quite correct. Let's remind everybody about Lockstonia Cider. It's a family business of how many years? It took us about five years to come up with a crispy apple cider of ours. And uh, got to the stage where my daughter said, Dad, you got to go for broke or you just got to drop it. And anyway, we went with it and it was very well accepted in the market. So that took five years to develop. And because it had to be wow, it had to be something different. We drove orchard to bottle, which is just not done in this country. The guys are playing mm. in the highway of concentrates and we're playing healthy out the orchards straight into our cellar. Very similar to the wine trade and uh, wineries. Yes. Are they scattered all over South Africa? So all these uh, cider cellars scattered all over the UK, the States, uh, Europe, um, Australia, New Zealand, but not in South Africa. It's just not done here. I know. Cider has never been a hugely popular drink here. And yet having said that... I know that Hunters and Savannah, and I know that you're going to balk when I mention those two names because they're not really, really, really cider, are they? But they have a massive following in the market here in South Africa. Well, South Africa is the second largest consumer and manufacturer of cider in the world market. Really? Absolutely. We're a very uneducated market. And a lot of people have got to the stage where it's just good marketing of, of distill. And people are drinking Hunters and Savannah. And you asked, have you tried a cider? And they said, no, no, they don't drink cider. <laughs> so you're drinking Hunters Savannah. So that's where we are today. So we've got a lot of work, <laughs> no. especially on our premium product, Orchard Bottle. We're playing on our own highway. And we, we don't talk about our opposition whatsoever. Yes. So a quick sort of reminder to me. What were you doing on Oast Farm before you were growing apples and making cider? Why did you choose cider? Well, I'm an apple man and um, we, we grow apples for the export market. We supply the UK, Canada, Far East markets, Europe with apples. Okay. The, the supermarkets have just got tighter and tighter with their regulation and um, regarding how apple must look on, on the shelf. Pack our own apples and there's a certain percentage of fallouts um, that go to the juice factory and a percentage of the tree as well that also goes to the juice factory. And one day I just saw this long queue at the juice factory 
and there was a tanker filling up with uh, concentrate. And I asked the guy, Where, where's that going off? And he says, no, it's going off to distill. And he says, no, it runs 24-7 over here and it takes concentrate. And I said, well, jeepers, you know, um, <laughs> this must be some, some market for us. And I yeah. went into it and um, I just said, why is no one else doing it? You know, 30% off the tree is uh, third grade mm. with the travels. And then I sort of opened my eyes. And going off to, to, to the States, Angry Orchards, uh, a phenomenal concept of, of, of cider in America. And then you go to Europe, I mean, uh, southwest of uh, London, you've got Cider Mecca. It's the largest yeah. producing uh, cider uh, country. And there are lots of little mills and cider mills, and um, it's a flourishing industry. I remember when we lived in England, I lived there for a bit. And we always used to say Somerset where the soda ripples grow. Somerset, and, yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's absolutely slap bang in the middle of the Cotswolds. Oh, they produce some of the most delicious cider. So, and then, of course, France is famous for its cider as well. But if we're moving on, so you decided that part of your apple farming was going to be cider, which is quite clever, really, because, as you say, who's happy to throw away a third? of their production when they don't need to. You can sell it for a lot of money if you make nice cider. Absolutely. Did you have to install a, install a whole cider plant? How do you make cider? That's where we have to start, and that's <laughs> the big question. You don't have to give away all your secrets, Larry, just a little bit. Not at all, not at all. The barrier to entry is uh, capital, high capital, and mm. uh, it took it, it took me um, a long time to, to actually turn the figures over and make sure that it's actually going to work, and also having the right product to go yeah. out into market and, and know what type of product you actually want to put out there that is going to be absolutely premium, it's going to wow people, and all the senses have to work. Mm. You have to get uh, it looks right. I sent my daughter over to, to the UK to, to have a look at all the labels. She studied um, a, a lot of the labels. She came back and she designed a label. And that same year, we won the International Cider Award for, for labels, um, for cider oh. labels. So it, it was the, in year 2020. Um, it, it was the, the cider label of, of, of the year. So we, we won that. Now we got the looks right. Now mm. that, that's just uh, one-tenth of what mm. you need to achieve. Then it's the contents in the bottle. You've got to get your taste. So as someone opens the bottle, you need to get the taste right. And you've got to get the sound right and the smell right. Mm. And once you've got all those things right, you, you've, you've got a product. And it's got to be a wild product. And it's the youth today are looking for something that's got a lot of honesty. And you, you've got to look what mm. they, they want. And um, a label's got to be right. Your uh, product has to be right. You need to get vegan-friendly, preservative-free. I know. Uh, I was going to ask it's, you. I mean, that's... gluten-free. Uh, you, you have to give them what they want. And you've got to put yourself out there. You've got to put your name behind the label. Uh, which is, mm. uh, and then you've got to give it full backing, and that's what we have done. Yeah, it's quite tasty actually, um, playing to a market with all of those demands. Because to be honest, if you're not careful, you'll end up with cider free cider. You know, you're not allowed to put anything in any, you know, we've got pizza free pizza and meat free meat. It's just crazy what's going on at the moment. I mean, you just, as you say, the, the standards that are required are so high. Is yours. 
a brown cider or a blonde cider? Because I know that you get you get a whole lot of different types of cider, don't you? What do you classify yours as? Well, we we got different uh, different types of ciders. Depends if you want a fruit cider, but we're looking for a South African cider, and mm. we, we don't want to go. We want to be different. We don't want to go and bring a, a go to the UK and bring uh, the recipe across here. We want a South African cider. We want to be leaders in the cider market. We we want to put South Africa out there. I want to take series, take our beautiful series apples. We got the mm. best apples in the world. I want to <laughs> take put series on the map with 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 cider and that's what we're doing that's what we're achieving the african sundowner is a true african cider it's the first real african cider coming out of uh, out of south africa it's got bobab which is a superfood in it it's from the bobab tree the upside down tree tree of life we we could talk for the next two hours just on the story behind African Sundowner and it's been well received in the market and especially up the lodges and yeah. we're going Cape Town uh, a lot of the tourists obviously want to come to, to to South Africa and taste South Africa food drink and and enjoy our wines now they can start enjoying our ciders so Larry if if my listeners now want to buy some Loxtonia cider have you got a bottle or a can is it in a bottle or a tin no, it's in a bottle. We will not go into can. What does it say on the label? Does it say African Sundowner? Does it say Loxtonia? Does it say Loxton Cider? No, it says Loxtonia Cider. That's, uh, that, that's so important. Mm. The label is Cider, and that's big and bold. We, we put Cider out there. The second is, less bold, is Loxtonia Cider. Okay, Loxtonia. It's crispy apple is our flagship apple. And then we got stone fruit. It is peach, mm. a little bit of nectarine, oh, and yeah. an apple cider, and uh, that's a very popular drink. Um, we also got a non-alcoholic stone fruit. We've got a blush, which is our, um, unfortunately in this country because of the wine industry, uh, we can't call it rosé. Mm. Uh, so we're one of the world leaders yeah. in bringing rosé cider to the market ourselves western cider in in the uk and angry orchards launched uh, rosé pretty much at the same same time and uh, they they could call it rosé cider but yeah in south africa the rest of the world called rosé we had to call it blush quite frankly blush is not a bad name for for the cider yeah it's fine the cider if i look at it in the bottle is it clear or is it a bit sort of cloudy? Do you refine it? How do you make this cider? We don't do cloudy cider. We, we do clear cider. Okay. So it's a golden, yeah. crispy golden color with bubbles in it, and it looks like pretty Absolutely. Um, we've, got a, we've got a Prosecco-style cider. Which, okay. Uh, a Prosecco-style cider, which is uh, we carbonate at a very low temperature. We get fine little champagne bubbles ap- appearing. Um, we, we can't call it Prosecco or champagne. We call it sparkling. That's a lovely uh, lunchtime uh, um, wine served in a nice flute glass, in a champagne glass or a Prosecco glass. And yeah. um, I think we're a bit ahead of our time with the, that, that one, but it's, but it's been also w- well received in the marketplace. And tell me, what sort of percentage of your production is, is being exported? We've decided not to uh, export at the moment and just concentrate on establishing a good local market, which we have done. We've just gone nationally. And yeah, we've actually just got some excellent news we've been working on for the last year. Last year, December, I had the tiger by the collar, 
and we grew very, very quickly. We battled with demand. At the end of December, January, I had the tiger by the tail. <laughs> so I decided to look for a private equity, of which we use a company, a brilliant company in Johannesburg. I, I don't think I could have done without them, Bauman and Associates. Okay. Last week, we finalized and we signed off with a private equity with a lovely family that's on the same line of our, our family thinking, farming community, many generations, Van Luveren and the Retief family, the four cousins. I mean, everyone knows their branding. We <laughs> needed to get out in the marketplace. We needed to get out there and with sales and marketing. And I couldn't ask for better partners to, to come in. We got in a strategic partnership deal and I'm very, very excited about it. And, and they are too. And with that, we obviously will use their arm, export arm to go to the export market. And now we're going to really concentrate nationally in South Africa that we can be able to supply everyone and be able to get to places that we haven't got to before. We're very excited about it. Well, that was really the reason that I was contacting you because I saw the news flash and I thought, that's a very happy partnership. Philip Retief is one of the nicest people I, I know. The Retief family have really done so much for the wine industry in South Africa. And as you say, everybody knows those, those four cousins to the point where if you go into a Shabin in Gauteng, the four cousins are so well known that they actually refer to wine as four cousins. So it's like you and I might say we're going to hoover the carpet. We're not. We're actually going to vacuum clean the carpet. But hoover was such a strong brand that we've actually turned it into the verb, you know. So true. Four Cousins has actually become synonymous with wine in a lot of the um, township shabins and, and taverns and things. And I don't know how the Retiffs did that because nobody else has been able to do it. I honestly don't. One day I'm going to get those boys in this studio of mine and they're going to give us the recipe because everybody keeps saying to me, we want to get our booze out there, we want to get our label out there, how are we going to do it? And the only people who really have it right are the Retiffs. So I think that you are headed for the stratosphere with that partnership. If I were you, I wouldn't do money. I would just say you want half of Van Leuveren and you'll give them half of Loxtonia. I'd love to be a fly on the wall because <laughs> um, when you get those four cousins together, <laughs> it's very, very unique and it's, mm. it's so nice. I actually get goosebumps when I think about it because they're four strong pillars of their business and each one of them knows exactly what to do yeah. and have got incredible respect for each other um, that yeah. I've picked up and, and that just ticked a lot of my boxes. When you go into into any partnership, uh, you, you get to the stage where uh, you get pretty wary and um, that last sort of looking at that pen and looking at that piece of paper to sign, mm. it was an easy signature on that page. It really was. Adrative energy is very infectious. And I do know for absolute certain that your, that your product is going to skyrocket as a direct result of, well, it was going to anyway, but I think that the retifs are just going to put some more fuel in your tank. You know, the juice is going to be... Absolutely. is such energy in that business. Yeah. Well, it's brilliant. The making of your cider... Do you make it? Does your daughter make it? Have you got a specialist cider maker? Huh? I make it and I've got some guys that help me. Mm. 
You obviously have one harvest a year when your apples are, are ripe. Correct. How long do you have to make that cider once you've picked the apples? As I say, we pack apples all the way up until November. Mm. In the series area here, we're just very blessed with the fantastic apples. We can pick and choose. What apple do you use for your cider? We handpick our apples. It goes through to the packhouse. When we're packing Granny Smith, Golden Delicious, Royal Gala, uh, Pink Ladies, Crips Red, or, or whatever apples, we make sure that the apples that come out are whole. They've got no rots or, or any major defects to them. Then we know when we take it down to, to the press room to be pressed. And the press that we got is a Booker press, which is a, a incredible press. And I've had two daughters through Stellenbosch University. They're young, and it's all about sustainability. Sustainability, when it comes to presses, as we all know, require a lot of water. And mm. the Booker press um, uses a lot less water than these open presses that, that do a lot of oxidization and you, you have to continuously clean with water. So, but the capital for, for this is, is about well, 10 or 20 times more than an ordinary roller press. The barrier to entry is pretty hefty there. We're talking a lot of money. That's when you phone Philip. Yeah, absolutely. You chucked all the aroma. <laughs> you get the proper cider in the bottle. You can just imagine, you know, if the apple goes into the Bucher Mill and then it, it goes right through the press and then comes out into your tank and it's not exposed to, to oxygen as, as much as a roller press. So mm. with a roller press, you're losing all that aroma. So mm. we, we try and catch as much aroma as possible going into, in, into fermentation. No, that's why I say I can speak openly, but I, I, I tell you, there is a lot of tricks to the trade. Yes, but the sure. number one thing is, A, you need a series apple. <laughs> number two, you, you need people from series to make uh, the series because they appreciate those apples so much. Oh, I tell you, I I've, I've, I've got a lovely crew. Lovely crew here and back on the farm. We've managed to actually employ uh, and create jobs uh, with the cider. And I just hope that more people start putting up more mills. Mm. It's an opportunity. Uh, in New Zealand and Australia, they're converting wineries into cideries. And that mm. was one of the tick boxes that, you know, should I do it or shouldn't I? But why are other people mm. doing it? Why no one else is doing it in South Africa? I think there are a couple of people who would love to have a little boutique cider mills just like they have in, in the UK. But the economies of scale are such, I'm sure, that you can't afford to do that, really, can you? Because then it's a completely handmade product, and you can only Absolutely. put out a few liters of the stuff every year. You can't, certainly can't make a living out of it like that, I don't think. One needs to do your business study. Yeah. Your business plan is critical, critical now. You know, mm. if you look at all the craft breweries out there at the moment mm. and where they are and why they're struggling, now you want to open up a little cider craft I think it's slowly on the way out. Yeah, it's sad. There are well-established craft guys at the moment. They've got the established market already. But for someone to try and enter now, it's pretty difficult. You have to have mm. something unique. And what if anyone listening out there, go travel. Go open up your eyes, see the rest of the world, and see what's happening out there. Mm. You'll be amazed and bring back something to this country that you can do something with. That's what I, I sent my daughters out. Both of them are in. 
Uh, my one daughter has just subsequently just left us, and uh, my eldest daughter is, is, is with us at the moment. She does all the social media and, and marketing of the cider. Mm. But it's so important. Open your eyes. Get out there and, and see and bring something back to this country to do. And Larry, lastly, with the advent of your new partnership, is the name going to change? Are you going to put Loxton Retief on the label or anything like that? No? Nothing You're is not going to put change. five cousins, not five cousins. No, and, and me the ugly cousin. Yeah, no, <laughs> nothing's, nothing is going to change whatsoever. We just need to change people's mindsets around cider, try and educate people more about cider there's a lot more to cider and it's amazing how many more males are coming across and drinking our our cider Mm. it doesn't bloat you like a beer cider is a fantastic drink i love cider i've always loved it and i will do whatever i can to fly a cider flag and more specifically a loxtonia cider flag any special place? Where do you buy? Have you got it in supermarkets and things? We go to supermarkets, pick and pay, and checkers, and all the spa and tops outlets because we've got non-alcoholic as well, and we yes. got light ciders as well. So we, we try and cater for for everyone. The liquor cities, um, Norman Goodfellows, just relax. You're very lucky you, know, you we, said Norman Goodfellows. You would have been in big trouble if you'd forgotten off my Norman Goodfellows. Yeah, we, we listen. <laughs> We're out there, we're going to get everywhere, and we have to. We have to get out there to the masses. It's very important that we share this lovely series product with everyone. Well, good luck to you, and congratulations on your partnership. I think it's oh, spells lots and lots of fun and lots of growth for you. I hope that the next time we speak is when you've won the award for the best cider in the world again. So, Larry Whitfield, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Thanks, Gary. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.